Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Wendy Mosier, and welcome to my new podcast, Love You, Mom, and Alzheimer's Story. This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Podcast. To follow Toasted Marshmallow Adventures, you can find us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com and search for our channel, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures, and please push the subscribe button. Weekly, I will be adding a video to our channel with pictures that correspond to this podcast. So it's fun. You don't want to miss it. Please push the subscribe button. Also, thank you to all the people that have sent messages and texts relating to podcast number one from Love You, Mom, and Alzheimer's Story. It would really help us, too, if you wanted to post how you felt on YouTube. You leave a comment, push the like button, that helps us out a lot, and we are grateful. Thank you so much. Now, let's get on with the show. June 5th, 1982 was a great day. June 5th, 1982 was the day my parents, Mom and John, got married. We met John on Thanksgiving Day, 1981, in Juneau, Alaska. We were having Thanksgiving dinner at a friend's house, and John was another guest. He was stationed on the Cape Coral with the Coast Guard at the time, and a nice homemade meal sounded good. John is from a small town in Massachusetts. His parents farmed, and he and his three sisters spent a lot of time working with the cows. John was studious and worked hard, entering the Coast Guard after high school. When we met John... Mom was 38, John was 25, and I was 11 or 12. We met him at that Thanksgiving, like I said, and he had brought something that he created uh, from the Coast Guard fridge. He didn't want to come empty-handed, and so (laughs) I think it might have been last minute he decided to go to the fridge and see what was available, and he came up with a concoction that was 
mayonnaise and marshmallows. That's what I recall. And at 11 or 12, we rarely had sweet things in the house when I was a kid. So it was pretty exciting to have a mayonnaise and marshmallow concoction. And I remember eating a ton of it. It was later talking to John about whatever that was, uh, that he said there were also raisins in it. So, mm. <laughs> it was a, a creation that he was never able to duplicate. <laughs> and uh, we've laughed about it over the years. When mom and John started dating, I remember mom running through our house on Moraine Way saying, isn't he cute? Isn't he cute? Very excited to have a date with John. And in my 11 or 12 year old mind, I, I remember saying to her, nope, he's not cute. Uh, and he reminds me of Charlie Brown. That was my reference point. I mean, John had blonde hair. I think that was the extent of it, but <laughs> that's what I said. And luckily they didn't listen to me. This past weekend, we celebrated their 39th wedding anniversary. We found a park to meet at, and then we all, we caravaned, mom and John and Chris and I, our little fearsome foursome team, caravaned over to Lake Lowell, which is about 15 minutes from where we live, and found the first tree. It was a nice warm day. The lake was pretty and blue. The park was packed and sat under a tree, put down a couple chairs, some towels for Chris and I, and we had a picnic. We brought chicken strips and potato salad and chips and watermelon and some ginger ale for mom and had a great time. We brought a card for their anniversary and on the front I wrote to mom and Dijon, capital D apostrophe J-O-H-N. And what was neat was mom was reading the outside at out loud, she kept saying, uh, Mom and Dijon, Mom and Dijon. And Dijon uh, was created over the years, that nickname or name, because when I was a kid, I used to, you know, yell for them or something or be telling a friend something about them. And I would almost always, I would start to call John dad. So I would catch myself and call him Dijon. <laughs> so Dijon became his, his nickname for me and for us. At one point during our picnic, John turned, turned to mom and said, you know, we've been married 39 years. And then he said, uh, 39 years, that's half, half your age we've been married because mom is currently 78. So that was really neat. And it was special to be able to find a place and a way to celebrate together. Something really important. They were married on Spoon Island in Alaska. Friends and family took kayaks and canoes filled with flowers and uh, rowed over to the island. Mom got married in a skirt and rubber boots. Rubber boots are considered Juno tennis shoes. The day they were married meant that we were to begin an adventure, an adventure of traveling with the Coast Guard every couple of years. Being an only child born and raised in Juneau, Alaska, and living with my single mom was a pretty awesome way to grow up. As a kid, I got to do a lot of things that friends that lived out of state never had the opportunity to do, and I've always felt really lucky for that. We would hike at the glacier, we cross-country skied, we ice skated. There is a lake right in front of the glacier that freezes during the winter, and we lived right around the corner from that. 
there's a little shack called Skater's Cabin where you can, you know, start a fire or get warmed up or just stay dry in there. Oh, I would ride my bike all day, every day, just check in with mom periodically. I mean, no cell phones, maybe carry a dime around and be able to make a, a, a pay phone call and check in. We went snowshoeing, downhill skiing. We camped a ton. We camped at uh, all kinds of beach locations, not too far from our house, but isolated and beautiful. We played on the beach. We boated. There were lessons learned, too. There was a time that I was cross-country skiing with Mom and John, and cross-country skis have always seemed way more difficult to me than downhill. Uh, Downhill feels natural to me, and I absolutely love it. Um, And I've always wanted to get into cross country. It's just that they're so narrow and slippery, those skis. So I remember one time falling over backwards. I landed on my skis, so those were pinned. And then I had the straps for my poles around my hands. And I landed on my poles, so my hands were secured behind my back as well. And I remember at 11 or 12 crying and being frustrated, you know, and uh, mom and John just stayed calm. And they said, you know, we're not always going to be here. You have to be able to get out of situations on, on your own. And it wasn't just a lesson for, you know, cross country skiing. It was a life lesson. And well, I'm not laying in the snow at Dredge Lake in Juneau. So I made it out. And those lessons are really important to me. And they've, they've meant a lot throughout the years. Our neighbors had a sled dog team, so I would take care of their dogs if they went out of town at a young age, probably eight or nine. Uh, We would ride on the frozen lake in front of the glacier with their dogs when it was, uh, you know, during the winter. But during the summer, they had a, like a shell of a vehicle, had tires and things, but no engine. They would strap the dog sled team, maybe, you know, uh, eight to 10 dogs in front. And we would go up and down our, at the time, dirt road. Actually, I think it still is dirt road, uh, Moraine Way. And uh, he would train his dogs and we got to be a part of it. It It's very fun, really cool way to grow up. The greatest way, in my opinion. Mom and I had a lot of fun in those years. We would blast Donna Summer, Gordon Lightfoot, Neil Diamond, Jim Croce, all the great ones in the living room and dance. I would make forts, play around. We, at the time, because it was the uh, 70s and 80s, we had this beautiful, quote unquote, shag carpet that we used to joke you could spill a whole thing of uh, spaghetti on it and not even know. And throw pillows on the floor and we'd pretend that the floor was fire and you couldn't step on it or you'd burn. I remember going outside in the mornings and picking blueberries on our property for pancakes for when my mom woke up so that she could bake us some or make us some pancakes. One old family joke was one time when I was little and we were single, uh, I mixed up some eggs, put uh, cut up green pepper in them, and that I was going to scramble. And then we had a really big, one of those old school coffee pots. So I was attempting to make coffee and eggs for my mom. She was still asleep and 
I brought her in a bowl of just straight runny eggs with green peppers floating in it and coffee with, you know, it was uh, kind of brown water with lots of chunks floating in it, <laughs> coffee. And uh, she was so sweet. I remember her saying, you know, hey, how about this is great. Thank you so much. How about we go cook this? <laughs> so later we joked about how unappealing raw eggs with things floating in it was right when you woke up in the morning. <laughs> I was trying. <laughs> Our Juno property was surrounded by wilderness and I would hike around and with friends and we would have adventures. Such a great place to grow up. It was a time when I could just be out and about in Juneau, there really weren't those fears then of what was going on with your kids. So it was a great place. When we met John, I was happy for mom. I thought this was great. There had been a couple bad relationships that I, I won't voice here in this podcast, but they weren't good. And uh, John was a breath of fresh air. I loved being alone with my mom, though, and so when mom and John decided to get married and I knew we had to leave Juno, my home, and everything and anything I'd ever known to travel with the Coast Guard for years, it was uh, really difficult for me. I have journal writings from when I was a kid that, boy, I didn't want to go. I, I didn't want to leave my friends, my family, my dad lived there. And Juno was a really different place. You know, we were really behind the times in terms of how we got our food. It was all barged in, how we got movies. We were usually two or three months behind the rest of the world. It was just a slower, you know, small time way of growing up. And I was kind of scared to go to bigger cities and see what that was about. So I wasn't for them getting married. I'm, you know, I was 12. <laughs> I was thinking about myself. And uh, I really felt like mom and John were pretty amazing and understood that and listened to me. And although they were still going to get married, they didn't force me to attend the wedding. They knew I was probably going to be a grump and uh, sullen and wreck things. So they let me stay behind and help with the catering and wait for friends that weren't able to go out to Spoon Island. And we had a great day. It, they respected me. I respected them. They came back. We had a nice celebration at our house in Juneau. And that was really, really special that they listened to me. They heard me. It meant a lot. And that created, that created a lot of respect throughout the years that I really have felt from them. And I've, I've been really grateful. There was also an incident where I apparently, I don't actually remember saying this, but it doesn't surprise me because when I get, especially as a kid, you know, not understanding, I, I remember we were going to move on the ferry. And so John had already gone to Seattle and mom and I were going to come down behind him and move with the rest of our things in a car and stuff. And I remember saying, I was, if we had to move, I was by ferry, I was going to jump off the ferry. This is a 12 year old. <laughs> and a lot of people over the years where a couple have, you know, talked about what a bratty thing that was. And maybe it was sure it was, but uh, it was my way of vocalizing that I, I didn't want this to occur. 
you know, and so in a way to help me and boy, did it, uh, mom and John paid for a friend of mine, Kim, to come with me on the ferry. And she stayed for a couple weeks in Seattle with me. And that really, really helped me get more comfortable because as an only kid, you don't have brothers and sisters to go, you know, hang outside with and feel comfortable with. And she helped me get comfortable in that neighborhood, my friend Kim. And I remember getting on the, we took a we took the bus or tried to take the bus from our house in Bothell or Kenmore, Washington to go to the mall, which was, you know, a big deal when you're 12. It was nothing like trying to get to the Nugget Mall in Juneau, which is just a tiny little strip mall, really. And we sat on that bus for a couple hours and then finally <laughs> asked the bus driver and we had missed the mall a couple times. I think we ended up at that point just going home. <laughs> so <laughs> it was great to great to have mom and John understand what that meant to me and allow one of my friends to come with us. So that was the beginning. We started moving with the Coast Guard. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. My mom, Lucy, was born and raised in a small town in Michigan, the eldest of five kids. Lucy's biological father, Harry, had a best friend, Bob. When Bob went off to Seward, Alaska in World War II, he wrote to his friends, Edie and Harry, Lucy's parents. Through their letters, Edie, Lucy's mom, and Bob, their friend, fell head over heels in love. Edie divorced Harry and married her one true love, Bob, and they eventually had Lucy's four siblings. Lucy was smart and amb ambitious. She was her high school valedictorian, prom queen, and a cheerleader. She would always tell me that there were only 12 in her graduating class, and that's why she made valedictorian, but I knew better. She met my dad, Mike, in school, and they were married. My dad had always wanted to live in Alaska. He dreamed of it since he was a kid. They headed off to Alaska in a Jeep. I was born in 1969. My dad was an alcoholic. My mom put up with 11 years of alcoholism. There was cheating and lying, buying cars spur of the moment and bringing them home and she would be shocked, you know, and have no idea where the financing came from. There was one time my dad pulled a gun. I was getting ready for bed. Uh, my mom was yelling at me to brush my teeth. I think I was, it was before he left, so maybe five or six. And I remember it still. He pulled a gun and uh, my mom said, don't shoot, Wendy, don't shoot. And uh, she was yelling at me to get back into my room. And after that, my dad, he was kicked out. We didn't, he didn't live with us again. So we were single for six years. There were great times. 
And then mom met John and he, because of our past, was a breath of fresh air. Mom and John would go to fireside chats at the glacier for dates. We would chop wood with friends and that would be, you know, an occasion, an all day thing that probably would end with a chilly feed at one of our houses. We spent a lot of time outside. In fact, most of my pictures are of us outside having some fun. We've had a lot of fun and funny times. I remember one time playing badminton with John in the driveway at the Moraine Way house, and the birdie from badminton got stuck way up in a pine tree, and so John went and got a piece of firewood to throw at the birdie. Well, he tossed it up there. The birdie came down, and the piece of firewood got stuck up in the tree, and I remember thinking that was so funny as a kid. Every April Fool's, John and I would hide the coffee table. One year, we put it in the back of John's light blue, full-size pickup. It had a little cab over camper on it. Those were great times, and it really is the little things. I've really been noticing that. It's those little things that stick out as important. I remember one time when we had first moved, we were having a discussion about Buddy Holly, the three of us, and whether he had passed away in a plane crash. So, we, you know, you didn't have the Internet those days. Nobody had cell phones. So I remember John calling the radio station to confirm whether Buddy Holly died in a plane crash. There was also the time we were on a really long road trip, and usually I would read in the back, and there wouldn't be any radio on, and Mom and John would just be looking at the scenery. John would be driving. And John had started talking about something, and he could not remember this word, and it was kind of driving him crazy. You know how it does. It just stays with you. So we were driving for miles in silence, and all of a sudden, John yells, gazebo! That was the word. <laughs> and it became a family joke that anytime somebody couldn't remember something, gazebo! Because it scared the crap out of Mom and John, <laughs> or Mom and I. And I remember one time on a vacation we got to the motel late, and Mom and I had wanted to swim. John does not like cold water at all, and we can tolerate it. So we snuck into the pool after hours, and that was just so fun. I mean, it, it's not you know it's not a horrific thing to do with your kid, but it sure it sure was a blast to be sneaky like that with your mom. My mom has always been so fun. She was always the one to take the last run skiing because she was having a blast or the last ride down the, you know, tubing hill. But inevitably, and this became a family joke as well, inevitably, each time something would happen and she'd end up with a big bruise to show for it. And over the next month or two, I'd get, you know, pictures mailed to me of the new color of mom's bruise that would start, you know, black, purple go into yellows, maybe a little orange if we're lucky. <laughs> but it just, she loved it. She would laugh the whole way through. Mom and John, or M and J, as I referred to them for years, moved every couple of years with the Coast Guard. I believe it was 11 moves in 22 years. And when John was ready to retire, I lucked out and they decided to build a home a couple hours away from where I'd settled in Idaho. I was in the valley, a more populated area, and they settled in the mountain town of McCall. 
We would see each other a lot. I had property in the country at the time, and Mom would help me can peaches, and it was so fun to share the bounty of our fruit and vegetables with them. We went on rafting trips, went to plays and concerts, had cookouts and hikes. In 2016, I started going to Nampa Fit Studio. I was doing personal training with the owner, Kim Rose. Chris came in at the time while I was working out to upload an assessment video. He was trying to become a body combat instructor. He looked very scary. And I remember whispering to Kim, is he an instructor? And she said, oh yes, he's going to become one. You're gonna love him. I didn't think so. <laughs> I, looked, I felt terrified, like he could really kick my butt and no thank you. And I had on a shirt at the time with my picture on it. I had rubber gloves on. I put my, my hands up to my face and took a picture. It was a way to advertise my cleaning business. But at the time, Chris, thought, who wears a shirt with their own picture on it? So Chris had moved to Idaho with his, at the time, wife and their kids, Peyton and Brannigan. I met Chris when he was an official instructor of body combat at Nampa Fit Studio. I did decide to take his class and I fell in love with body combat, eventually becoming an instructor myself. I was married at the time, and Chris and I became good friends. Chris was born and raised in Vallejo, California. He has two brothers, a dad, Mike, and a mom, Jeannie. Chris was a skater kid. He spent a lot of his youth at skate parks and traveling to San Francisco on the bus with his friends for the day to buy lunch and hang out at the skate parks. He has stories about you know, spending three, bringing three bucks and that would get him through the whole day, you know, maybe eat off the dollar menu somewhere. He was, he's, is and was into music big time. He would go see people perform ska music, ska dancing, something I'd never even heard of until we met. He was more of a city kid compared to me. He talks about going to derby games and watching wrestling, swap meets. Chris actually started Capital City Skull Crushers when he got to Idaho, which is the derby team here. He was in roller derby for a lot of years. His uh, name was Shank Williams, and his numbers on the back of his shirt were 911. That is one hip check you do not want to be a part of. I never wanted to be with someone with kids and an ex-wife. I did not want to deal with that kind of stress. But I changed my rules for Chris, and he is the love of my life. He met mom when she was still driving five plus years ago. She would come, quote unquote, watch his son while we traveled. The uh, relationship that they have created in five short years is pretty amazing. You never know what Alzheimer's, with Alzheimer's, what will be remembered and what will be lost in time and space and when it'll go. I guess you usually think that it's going to be the long-term memories that will be the cherished ones that stay in there. But what we've noticed is it's, it's things that were really important to mom have stuck in there. So this relationship with Chris, I believe, means a lot to her. She still knows who he is. Uh, she still gets excited when she sees him, smiles, and she just perks up. 
and she loves Chris. We were on a trip in Oregon. I believe it was last year. And mom was struggling. She and John were in the car in front of us. We were following. And John pulled over so that we, we thought we could get gas. We were at a gas station. But it was also, it was in a re, really remote place in Oregon. And uh, attached to the gas station was a Native American store. So I ran up to the car. John said mom was having a rough time of it. And he didn't know what was going on. So I took mom into the store and we talked and sometimes, a lot of times with Alzheimer's, they'll have feelings but not be able to vocalize what was going on. So she was upset and we didn't know why. And uh, Chris came up to me and he had purchased a rock and he said he wanted me to give it to mom. And I said, oh no, you pick that out for her. I want you to give it to her. And he walked over to her, gave her the rock which she adores rocks. And this one had a hand painted face of a man that looked quizzical or, you know, like something was going on, kind of like winking, but smiling for sure. And she absolutely adored it. And she has remembered that rock. Any she calls it her happy rock. Anytime we show her the rock, she remembers what happened and who gave it to her. I showed it to her yesterday. And it's in her room at the assisted living. And she said, oh, yes. And then she said, that's Chris. <laughs> so she adores it and she remembers it. And it's amazing. When Chris comes in to visit or when we would visit in McCall, she stands on her tippy toes to hug him. And she usually rocks back and forth and makes a happy noise that you only hear when she hugs Chris. She may go in for another hug with Chris. And she looks up at him with big eyes. And when she sees other people with a similar build, she excitedly thinks it's Chris. Chris also has a relationship with Alzheimer's. His mom, Jeannie Adams, passed away a couple years ago from Alzheimer's. Chris has said that this time with my mom has been really important to him because it's helped him know possibly, you know, everybody experiences Alzheimer's differently, but possibly what his mom went through and definitely what his dad went through taking care of Jeannie. So that's been special, special for Chris. It's hard when you're separated from your family and you can't go back as frequently as you'd like. And it's, it's hard to talk about Alzheimer's over the phone, you know, so it, it, there's just so much to it. You can't really even get into it unless you're there. It's just, it's an it's intense experience. Chris has been, I believe, grateful to be able to share this and have more understanding. And now Chris and I live in Nampa, Idaho, and mom and John live in McCall. We've gotten together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. We've gone to shows together and met up for picnics. Mom and John have met and spent some holidays with Chris's dad, Mike, and his kids, Brannigan and Peyton. And this is how our little four-person team has come together. This is the team that has fought and cried and laughed and been joyous for one woman. Everything we've done over the last couple years has been for my mom. She is the glue that holds us together tightly, and we all love her dearly. Thank you, thank you so much for listening. In the next episode, I'm going to discuss the diagnosis and recheck. 
you'd like to see more from Love You Mom and Alzheimer's Story, please go to our YouTube channel, Toasted Marshmallow Adventures. Press that subscribe button. Leave a comment. Press a like button. Each week we're going to add in videos that have pictures of what I'm talking about. A lot of mom pictures, a lot of family photos. It's really been fun going back through the old pictures and reliving and remembering. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're at ToastedMarshmallowAdventures.com. That's our website. Toasted Marshmallow Adventures on Facebook and on Instagram, Toasted Marshmallow Adventure 1. Toasted Marshmallow Adventures 1. Thank you so much for all the positives. And we will see you in a week with episode number three from Love You Mom and Alzheimer's Story.